to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of X and Kuoni Travel Limited. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 34. And just before we begin this episode, I feel that I should mention that it does contain discussion around rape and sexual assault. I don't go into any unnecessary detail, but if you don't want to hear about that subject, then maybe skip this episode. The case that we are talking about dates all the way back to 2010, when Mrs X and her husband went on a package holiday to Sri Lanka. The tour operator was Kuoni, who are the respondents here, and there was a contract between the parties. During the holiday, Mrs X was making her way through the hotel when she came across a man who is referred to in the proceedings as N, and worked for the hotel as an electrician. N made out like he was showing Mrs X a shortcut through to reception, but instead he lured her into the engineering room where he raped and assaulted her. X brought a claim against Kuoni as the tour operator. She argued that the rape and assault were a breach of the contract she had with Kuoni, and or it gave rise to liability under the Travel Package Holidays and Package Tours Regulation 1992. When the proceedings originally got to the Supreme Court, there were questions about the correct interpretation of Directive 90-314 on package holidays and package tours, which was implemented into UK law via those 1992 regulations. As such, the Supreme Court referred the questions to the Court of Justice of the European Union, and they were eventually answered earlier on this year. The proceedings made their way back to the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick things up. In general, a broad approach is taken to the obligations owed by tour operators. On a basic level, this includes things like transport, hotels and meals, but then also services that are necessary to ensure that the holiday meets a reasonable standard. What that means exactly might vary from one contract to another, but as the justices pointed out, it is pretty broad. Anyway, in the current contract, Kuoni agreed to provide a holiday to X, and an integral part of the holiday is that the staff at the hotel will provide at least basic assistance to holidaymakers. The rape and assault was clearly a failure to provide that service with proper care. As such, X had a claim under both Clause 5.10b of the contract, which required Kuoni to do that, as well as under Regulation 15.2 of the 1992 regulations, whereby liability exists for, quote, damage caused to her by the failure to perform the contract or the improper performance of the contract, end quote. It is worth pointing out that under Regulation 15.2c of the same regulations, there is potentially a defence that Kuoni can rely on if the rape and assault were events that could not have been foreseen or forestalled, even with all due care. Such a defence is also present in the directive, and indeed the contract between the parties. This is where the Court of Justice of the European Union were able to add their considered opinion to the matter, thanks to the reference previously made by the Supreme Court. In March, the European Court held that the defence does not apply where the act or omission is by the employees of suppliers under the travel holiday package. That decision is binding, and so Kuoni does not have a defence available to it because the act, i.e. the rape and sexual assault, was carried out by the employee of a service provider, i.e. the hotel. Ultimately, Kuoni is liable and has to pay compensation to Mrs X. 
I think the main thing to say in response to this case is that obviously this was a horrific experience for Mrs X and I hope that this judgement allows her to finally put a line under what happened to her in 2010. Having said that, I don't think that this necessarily also means that it is the correct decision. The rape and sexual assault were clearly beyond the control of Gorney, and while that is not to say that a tour operator should never be liable for something that they are not directly responsible for, there does have to be limits. In many ways that is why the defence exists within the directive. If something is unforeseeable, then it doesn't seem right that a company is liable. Other options would exist for Mrs X, including criminal proceedings against her attacker and action against the hotel. Admittedly, the international element makes this more difficult, but there are other entities who hold more responsibility for what happened. Furthermore, this expanded liability only makes things more commercially difficult for tour operators, who are not in a great position to start with. When I was researching this case, I came across a quote from Michael O'Leary, the CEO of Ryanair, who said, quote, Sales of package holidays have declined because what people are doing now is that there's so much readily available low fares and services that people go online and book their own accommodations, end quote. That quote is from 2016, but if anything, it is more relevant now since the demise of Thomas Cook. I'm not saying that this judgement alone is the death knell for tour operators, but it is a significant blow to an industry that already seems to be dying. Beyond all this, one of the interesting legal questions to be asked is what happens with cases like this after Brexit. I mentioned during the judgement that the court is obliged to follow the Court of Justice of the European Union, and that is because this is a pre-Brexit proceeding. That will no longer be the case from now on, although I am sure that those decisions will continue to at least be persuasive. The problem is that this judgement arises from a reference made to that court in order to get an interpretation. Now that the UK courts are on their own, a case like this would have to be decided at the time. If the European court eventually got asked the same question and decided differently, then we would be left with a divergence in the case law of the UK and the EU when it came to European legislation. In itself, that is not really a problem and is arguably what Brexit was all about, but we are already seeing divergence in the legislation of the UK and the EU and when that extends to case law as well, it just makes it more difficult to do business on the continent. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!